The book of Colossians, chapter 1. Open up and read along with us this morning. Chapter 1, that's page 1,352. If you're using that Bible provided for you under the seat in front of you. Colossians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 9 this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time in your word. Challenge us, Lord. Challenge our thinking. Move us forward. Strengthen us. Lord, make us men and women of a higher perspective. Teach us marvelous things in your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first prayers of my little brother as we were growing up, I'll never forget this. He prayed, dear God, bless mommy, bless daddy, bless Jesus, bless Batman, and bring me candy. (laughs) Now, he was like, I don't know, three or four years old when he prayed that prayer. So that would be cute. That's something you'd expect for a toddler. I'd be a little worried if he still prayed that way today. (laughs) In his 50s, and I'm proud to report he doesn't pray that way. His prayers have become much more mature and appropriate. But, you know, I think many of us as Christians, even those of us who have been Christians for a long time, can turn prayer into sort of like a shopping list for God, a Christmas list. Dear Lord, give me a new job. Help me pay this bill. Get me a new car. Bring me candy. And I think that sometimes even as Christians, we tend to, I don't know, concentrate too much on the material and physical needs of others. So-and-so sick, please pray. So-and-so lost a job, please pray. So-and-so's aunts in the hospital, please pray. And I'm not knocking any of that. I think that's so important, and we should pray for things like that. But are there deeper needs that we should be praying for? What about the salvation of souls? What about the spiritual health and the spiritual growth? of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are those not the deepest needs? I want you to notice what Paul prays for the Christians at that church in Colossae. Look at his prayer list, so to speak. Look at verse 9, his prayer. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God look at what Paul prayed for concerning his brothers and sisters in Christ 
First of all, he prayed that Christians would have incredible understanding and insight into the things of God. He prayed that their knowledge would be great. That their knowledge of the Lord and of God's will would be something that is solid and increasing. Knowledge in the Greek, the the baseline word for knowledge is gnosis. It means to know, to know facts. If you put a prefix on that word, like a, agnosis, you get agnostic without knowledge. Paul put a different prefix on the word, epi, epinosis. He's speaking about full, comprehensive, expert knowledge. As knowledgeable as you can possibly get about God. That's what he's praying for. He says he's praying for spiritual understanding, understanding comprehensive insight, the ability to understand great concepts and how to see the relationships between them and how all the facts come together. And then he prays at the end of verse 9 that they would have all wisdom. That's a word that means you know how to use all the knowledge and all the facts that you've been given. Taking all that information and being able to manage the affairs of your life. Paul was praying for some really smart Christians, wasn't he? That they would be highly intelligent in the things of God. And he prayed that they would be filled with that knowledge. Super supplied with that knowledge. He prayed that they would be increasing in that knowledge constantly and he was praying that they would have spiritual understanding that they would understand spiritual truth all the doctrines of the true christian faith and how they all go together he's praying that they would become experts on god himself who he is what he does what he's like he prayed that they would become increasing in their knowledge of God's will for their lives. Paul is basically saying, I am praying that you become experts on God, on spiritual truth, on God's will for your life, and that you will have a full comprehension of it, and then you will have great skill in living your life by it, and that you will be continually growing in it. Wow. And by the way, that is a common prayer that Paul would, not just for the church at Colossae, but for all the different churches that he wrote to. To the Philippians, he writes, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. To the Ephesians, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. When's the last time you prayed for someone like that? That your brothers and sisters in Christ would have all spiritual wisdom. and Husband, when's the last time you prayed, Lord, make my wife an expert in you? Or wife, when's the last time you prayed, give my husband spiritual understanding and comprehensive knowledge of who you are? Parent, when's the last time we prayed like 
something like that for our kids. You know, we pray for our kids all the time. We pray, Lord, get them into the right college. Get them into this right career. When's the last time that you prayed that your son or daughter would become an expert on God and spiritual understanding? It's very, very important. Now question, where does all this knowledge, understanding, and wisdom come from? Where do we get all that stuff? We get it in the word of God, don't we? Do you know all that knowledge, all that understanding, all that wisdom is available to you in God's word? So take it, grab it as a Christian, and when you pray, pray that your loved ones would grasp what is spoken of in the word of God and that they would have a hunger for it. So he prayed for their knowledge. Notice what else he prayed. Look at verse 10. He prayed that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. So Paul prayed for the manner in which they lived. Paul prayed for their daily walk through life. And he prayed that in their daily walk through life, Basically, that they would live for Jesus. They would glorify Jesus. They would be men and women who live lives that are useful every single day for the kingdom of God. Look at that first phrase. He said that they may walk worthy of the Lord. Worthy is a word that means having the same weight and value as something else. So Paul is praying that the way... Christians live on a day-by-day basis weighs the same as the Lord. Is as valuable as the Lord. Paul uses that word worthy many different times when he writes. To the Thessalonians, he prays that they would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He exhorts the Ephesians... I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. To the Philippians, he says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Think of a little balance up here. On this side is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you live according to it? Does it weigh the same? The way you live your your life day by day. Here's the calling that God has poured out upon your life. Do you weigh the same? Here's the character of the Lord. Are you living up to that same measure? Paul prays in verse 10 that they would be fully pleasing to the Lord. I pray that the way you live your life day by day there in Colossae, that it would be something that pleases the Lord, that puts a smile on his face. It should characterize our lives as Christians. We are not to be self-pleasers. We're not to be men-pleasers. We are to be God-pleasers. And perhaps you would ask this question of all that you do in life as a Christian. Is this activity, is this relationship, is this goal pleasing to the Lord? 
Is the way that I'm living right now, is that pleasing to the Lord? Paul prayed that they would be fruitful in every good work. In the way they live their lives day by day, that they'd be fruitful in every good work. And they're not, not some of the good work, every good work. Think of all the good works that we're supposed to do as Christians. Being witnesses for Jesus Christ, ministering to others, being compassionate and helping those who are in need, exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, love, joy, and peace in our relationships and actions with regard to others, concern, compassion, encouragement, help in time of stress, bringing a word of peace into a troubled, hostile atmosphere, all that being fruitful, in every good work. And the language implies that this is something that's constant. You're not fruitful for a season and then barren for a season. Paul is praying for men and women who are fruitful in everything they touch in life. In every sector. Wherever they go. They live a life pleasing the Lord. One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is Joseph. Do you remember his story? Remember Joseph? Man, he was such a godly, fruitful man. Even as a teenager, God's hand was upon him. And you remember, he had a tough life. He didn't have it easy. His brothers couldn't stand him. They sold him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. But he stays faithful to the Lord. He ends up in in an Egyptian dungeon for several years for being accused of something that he didn't do. And yet he never got bitter. He stayed closer and closer to the Lord and became more and more fruitful. Eventually, God raised him up to be second in command of all of Egypt. At the end of Joseph's life, this is what God said of Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well, and his branches run over the wall. Here's a guy that's so fruitful in life that everyone close partakes, and his branches even go out, and his life touches others. Everything he touches is fruit. Oh, if God could say that of every single one of them. That's what God wants us to be. That's what Paul wanted those Christians in Colossae to be like. Day by day, moment by moment, in every activity of life. Incredible. You know, the way you live your life, day by day as a Christian, that's what speaks to the world. The world doesn't see your knowledge. The world doesn't see your wisdom. The world doesn't see your understanding of the scripture. You know what they see? They see all that lived out. James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, there are some Christians who strive and work hard to become extremely knowledgeable in the scripture but in their mind that's where the journey ends 
Ah, we're getting smarter in the Bible. And they love to have all these little intellectual debates with other Christians and tick for tack over different theological issues. And they'll spend hours together talking about the doctrines of the Christian faith. All right? Live it. Don't discuss it. Debate it. Let's see it. People need to see it in your life. And by the way, people who are not Christians need to see it in your life. One commentator said, God does not reveal his will to us in order to satisfy our curiosity. Neither is it intended to cater to our ambition or pride. Rather, the Lord shows us his will for our lives in order that we might please him in all that we do. Or good old Oswald Chambers. I love how he puts it. One step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. But people see it. Paul prayed that Christians would be experts on God and his will and that they'd live it. That they'd see it. People would see it in them. Okay, look as the, as the prayer continues. Look at verse 11. Paul, still praying for them, says, I pray that they would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, here Paul is praying for power. That they would be empowered and strengthened to live that way. And you should see, in the original Greek, this is, this is, it's like hyperbole. It's exaggeration. It's incredible power. It says that they'd be strengthened with might. That word for might in, in Greek is dunamis. We get our English word dynamite. To be strengthened is, comes from the same Greek, Greek word dunamao. So he's being repetitive, exaggerated. He's saying, I pray that you would be Dunamao with dunamis. I pray that you would be explosively empowered with explosive power. He prays that we would be empowered with a power according to his glorious power. Not just out of, not just from. Like here's some of God's power. According to, the full measure. He's praying that his brothers and sisters in Christ, I can see him, would be empowered with the power of God to live the life that they need to live. And I got to tell you, I'm very, very glad that this is in this prayer. I'm thankful. You know why? Because when I think about living a life that's worthy of the Lord in my own strength, I'm bummed out. When I think of Living a life that's completely pleasing to the Lord, I get a little bit intimidated. When I think of being fruitful in every good work, I think, oh man, I can't be that. Maybe as we've been talking about this, you've even thought, that's impossible. I can't, I can't live that way. This is setting me up to fail. Paul knew that. And that's why Paul prayed this part of the prayer. Paul knew, just like himself, that we all need to be strengthened 
to live this way. We need divine enablement. We need a power that is beyond us. And the New Testament teaches that we have access to the power of God as his people. Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Second Peter says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. If you're a born-again Christian, you have access to the power of God. And you know where that source of power comes from? From the Holy Spirit living inside you. Do you know the Bible teaches that when you become a Christian, when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you're born again, you're forgiven of all your sins, and you become a brand new man, a brand new woman. You're given a brand new nature. You become born again, and the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your life. Your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers you to live the supernatural Christian life that you can't live in your own strength. So the scripture teaches that we are to walk. There's that word again. We're to walk in the Spirit. Day by day, as Christians, walking in moment-by-moment dependence upon the Holy Spirit in your life. And as you do that, you will live this supernatural type of life. And I want to encourage you, as you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, as you pray for your own life, pray that they would walk by the Spirit. Pray that you would walk. In the spirit. Now you say that sounds kind of mystical. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? It's actually not very mystical at all. Wake up every morning and remember that Christ lives in you. And that he's with you. And he never leaves you or forsakes you. And his Holy Spirit is in you. And tune yourself to become aware of his presence with you. Have a daily moment by moment conversation with the Holy Spirit. Depending upon him. And as you do that, you will live the supernatural Christian life. You know, a lot of Christians, they they completely forget. Some of you will think, oh, that's a great truth. And then you'll spend the rest of the week never giving a moment's thought to the Holy Spirit of God living in you. What if you gave thought to that? What if you lived your life knowing that? And so as you're going about life and, you, and, and you, run, you encounter difficult things with different people, you ask the Spirit helps you to be gentle, gracious, loving, even when it's hard to be. Let's pray that we would live supernatural lives. That's what Paul prayed for. Continue the prayer. Look at verse 12. There's one more list. There's one more item on his prayer list. He says, I pray that they would live their lives giving thanks. 
to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I want you to follow the progression of this prayer. First, Paul prays for their knowledge. Give them wisdom. Then he prays that they would live their lives according to that wisdom. And then he prays that they would be empowered by God in living those lives. And here he prays for their attitude. Their motivation. Lord, I pray that those Christians in Colossae would live this way because they're thankful. They would live this way giving thanks to the Father. Here's the attitude that we are to maintain as Christians. This is what motivates us. We're thankful. We live our lives thankful for all that God has done for us. And that motivates us to know his will, to live according to his will, to be empowered for his will. We do it because we're thankful. We're, We're not seeking to live Christian lives like this to outdo other brothers and sisters. It's not a competition. Look, I'm so much better than so and so. Look, I'm more spiritual than that guy. (laughs) You certainly shouldn't want to live the Christian life so that you're getting attention drawn to yourself. Look how spiritual I am. No, you live the Christian life because you are grateful that God reached down in a pit and grabbed you out. And saved your life. And changed you both now and forever. That's what should motivate us. And you know what? That's what gives the cheerfulness to the Christian faith. We desire to do all this. We want to do it. Again, it's not like we have to live the Christian life. We have to obey. We get to. God saved us. And we're grateful to do it. There's a classic story about a father who told his little four-year-old son to sit down. The son didn't sit down, so the father said a second time, son, I said, sit down. The boy still didn't sit down. Finally, the father took him by the shoulders and forcefully placed him in the chair. And he said, now, son, sit there. And the little boy answered, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's not how we follow Christ. It's not like God has to force us. He puts his hand on our shoulder and says, live this way. Obey me. Do No, we get to. We get to. We're thankful. We were so lost apart from Christ. We were living under the power of darkness and sin. We were separated from God under condemnation because of our sin. We were helpless slaves in the kingdom of darkness 
under the dominion of Satan himself. That's who you and I were. But somebody came and told us the glorious gospel message about how Jesus was sent to die on that cross for our sins and rose again that third day. And we placed our faith and trust in him. And we became a child in his family. And our sins were forgiven. And we were filled with his spirit. And all the lights went on for life. What matters most? The purpose for living. And we live our lives thankful for that. grateful we have so much to be thankful for verse 12 says we give thanks to the father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints he qualified you he authorized you because you placed your faith and trust in jesus christ god the father made you fit into his kingdom his family says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. He rescued us from the power of darkness. He conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That word convey describes a mighty king picking up a whole population and deporting it to another realm. It's the idea of like imagine growing up in, in a dictator state and everyone's starving to death. Everyone's poor. People are being shot in the streets. You have no freedom. And this wonderful, glorious king comes along and snatches you and your family and others out of that terrible place. And he brings you into his beautiful kingdom where there's peace and joy and prosperity and freedom. That's what God did with you. And all that, as it says... Through the blood of Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Never forget who you were and who you are now. Pray that we would become like this. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. I got to tell you this this passage, it challenged me. I thought to myself, as I'm preparing this message, my prayer life needs to become deeper. I need to be praying for people in different ways. I need to be praying for myself in those deeper ways. I mean, too often we turn all of life into that physical material. A church which is growing in the knowledge of Christ and his will and is walking worthy of him, doing so in his power with a grateful heart, will do great things. And so will Christians who are like that. Father, I pray that you would empower us. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us with all might. Lord, I pray that we would never lose sight of the salvation that you've given to us. We owe you for life. We owe you for all of eternity for your goodness and love.
Use our lives for your glory. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who is not sure if they have been moved into your kingdom. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never been born again. You've never met Christ for yourself. You've never been assured that all of your sins are forgiven. Jesus died for you. And he rose again that third day and he's alive and he'll save you. Scripture says that you must place your faith and trust in him. You must admit your sinfulness and ask him to forgive you and be your Lord and Savior. Would you like to do that this morning, right now? I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer in the quietness of your heart. Pray it straight to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I want to be in your kingdom. Move me into your kingdom. I readily admit that I'm a sinner, that I've committed many sins, and I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me paying the price for all my sins. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Fill me with your spirit and help me live a life that is fruitful for you for the rest of my days on this earth. In Jesus' name, Amen.